It is a pleasure to be here this morning. Appreciate the opportunity and the invitation that's been extended by your leadership here to come and spend some time with them this weekend as well. And it's been a, uh, an enjoyable time for me. And I also want to say to Matt and Connie, I appreciate the hospitality of y'all's home too. That's been a real blessing to be able to spend some time with you guys. I want to continue on this morning a little bit with what we've been talking about this weekend, but uh, in the general concept of leadership, and I have entitled the lesson, Things Your Elders Would Want You to Know, and I'm, I'm telling you that, and I've titled that, and the things we're going to talk about, I've not sat down with Yancey and, and Matt and talked about this sermon, so it's not their sermon, it's my sermon. Uh, they may sit there nervous this morning what, what it is I'm fixing to say, but I promise you they shouldn't be nervous because uh, I've, I have served in the capacity in our local congregation that they're serving in and uh, same type concept that they're serving in. And I promise you, I will, they will agree with what I'm talking about. I know that, uh, even without discussing it with them. So I want to talk to you about a few things I think your elders would want you to know when we think about leadership this morning. Uh, number one, your elders would want you to help them create a loving atmosphere in the congregation. One of the things the elders of a congregation are trying to do is set a culture in a congregation, and they need your help with that culture. They need moms and dads raising their kids and, and, and teaching them right and wrong and, and uh, creating that spirit in their children of love and help and all that sort of thing, and they, they need that from the room to create a loving atmosphere, a culture in a congregation that helps them with what they are attempting to do in using this congregation to bring uh, the community, bring the gospel to this community. John chapter 13 and verse number 35, uh, by this all men shall know that you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. And I can tell you first and foremost above uh, when you start talking about culture, a loving culture. Uh, people that love one another, enjoy time spent together, enjoy uh, being together. Uh, that's one of the things that they would want from you uh, as a member of this congregation and to help them build that culture. Number two, I think your elders this morning would want you to be a team player. Uh, we talked a lot this weekend about teamwork and building a team. And it's what your elders are trying to do, build a team. They want you to be on that team. And they want you to be a team player, uh, that you're working together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 25 said that there should be no schism or schism in the body. I think that word is actually pronounced correct both ways, schism or schism. It means division, that there would be no division. Uh, we, need, we need folks that you can't have a body of Christians over here attempting to do one thing and pushing this direction and then have somebody out here on their own just kind of you know doing their own thing and they're not trying to be a part of what the team is trying to do. And it is challenging if, if folks walk in or, or become a part of a congregation, but they, they live in me world over here. You know, well, what, it's about me, it's about me, it's about me, and not about us as a congregation. Wasn't that long ago in our congregation, I sat down with a young family, and I was saying, you know, everybody in a room, you get 100 people in a room, you're not going to have everybody agree on everything and every detail. It's part of the reason why you have leadership in place. To, we're trying to herd a herd of cats, a hundred different cats that somebody wants to yell squirrel in the middle of that, you know, and they're just heading 900. We're trying to herd all that to go one direction. And it's not a simple concept. And everyone that walks in 
to a group of people ought to have an us concept. What, what is good for us, and part of what's good for us is to work together as a team and to work together within that structure of the team as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 18, But now God has set the members, every one of them in the body, as he hath pleased him. Every one of you in this body, as a part of this community of believers, have a place, and you're a part of that team, should be a part of that team, want to be a part of that team. COVID was a challenge for us in our part of the country. It was just a challenging time in a lot of ways. I'm telling you, there's some difficult, amazingly difficult decisions to be made from a leadership perspective uh, in, back in those COVID days. And some of the concerns that elders had with some of those decisions uh, also came to fruition. I'll tell you one of them in our part of the country. I don't know what you guys 100% experience, but it's probably similar. Uh, we made a decision at some point in time, the state had said you can't meet so, more than so many people in a building and even at some point in time that so many people in the building had to be six feet apart from one another and uh, unless they're in a family unit. Y'all remember some of that. It was just horrendous times for a church and trying to manage our way through that. And a couple of conversations I want to share with you that we had in our in our congregation is we were sitting at supper one night with some people in the room and there was a young family or a young woman in there. She said, uh, well, uh, so-and-so is not coming to church tonight. And the reason why they're not coming to church tonight is, you know, the elders have, uh, have made Zoom available to everyone. And, uh, you know, since that's the case, it's a little ways to drive. And, and so they're, gonna, they're going to uh, stay home and, and they're going to participate on Zoom. And while I recognize Zoom has a place and there's challenges and pros and cons to a lot of things, my, my answer to this young lady at that time is I said, what you just said strikes fear in the heart of every elder in the country because the making decisions for emergency, temporary sort of type situations doesn't turn into long term. We don't need to be connected to a body and we don't need to be participating with that body and it just scares you and there was a point in time in our congregation when we we made different decisions as a leadership and just said okay you know covid's over we're not doing you, you know that we're not doing this anymore and we need to get things back to some sense of normal and that kind of thing when the process of that somebody in our congregation got somewhat offended might be the way to phrase it i don't know if offended is the right word but but their communication back to us was well then i can zoom some other church and and, and that other church, I'm sure, you know, they have elders too and they have fears in their congregation as well, but, but they're wonderful people. It has nothing to do with the other church. But my first question to her was, are you a member of that congregation? You know, is that, I mean, we're gonna disconnect and, and watch on TV something that's 900 miles away you know, from, from what we're doing, you need to connect with a community of believers. And through the process of that, she was kind of dancing between our congregation and another congregation of the local area and that kind of thing, and, and just not really committed to begin with. And listen, I said, whether it's us or the other place, I, this isn't about us. It's not, you know, I'm not saying you have to make that decision, but I am saying for your good spiritual health, you need to connect in with a body of believers. You do not need to sit back from 900 miles away and watch somebody do something across Zoom or TV or whatever, however we want to phrase that. And at some point in time, she made that decision. I personally think it's a better decision for her. And she connected in with another congregation in our local area. 
And I want that for her. I want it for her spiritual health, not that we don't miss her. She can come visit us and we'd love to see her and all that sort of thing, but she needs to connect in with a body of Christians and where there's support and accountability and all those things we spent a little bit of time this weekend talking about. Another thing I think your elders would want from you is you to have the want to spirit. And I don't know how to describe that except I know that I raised kids, Lisa and I raised kids. We had four daughters and still have four daughters. I, that sounded bad. Uh, we still have four daughters and we have four sons-in-law and nine grandkids and we got a grandkid on the way. And, and I mentioned that only to the other grandparents in the room because I'm hoping to win. You know, I want to have more grandkids than ever, all the other old people in the room, you know. Uh, but we've been very blessed and it's a lot of fun and all that kind of stuff. But there were child rearing years that were challenging years. You parents that are especially have young children know what I'm talking about. But we would say things to, you know, we might say Amy, which is one of our twin girls. We'd say, Amy, go take the trash out. She'd go, And you just knew all the way to the trash can. She did not have the want to spirit. That's what I'm talking about is, you know, there's times that stuff needs to be done or stuff needs to get accomplished. Sometimes it's a management issue. Sometimes there's just challenges and things that, that happen along the way. It's not the end of the world, but we would like as parents to watch our children go take the trash out and go, you bet, I would be happy to do that. Yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, I'd be happy to help with that. And the same thing's true in a church body, uh, in, in, in dealing with the management side of a church body, and, and lots of people, and all, there's, there's challenges with that. And one of the things that your elders would love to have from you is that spirit that says, I would be more than happy to help. In what way can I help? And in fact, I promise you this morning, they would love for everybody in this room to come talk to them uh, as elders or as deacons, talk to them and say, in what way can I serve? In what way can I help? In what way can you plug me in to help your job as leaders of this congregation to be an easier job? And they want to build a team of people that are connected, a community of believers that are connected, they're helping one another. In what way can I serve and help in that congregation? We, our ministry as a group, I know at home, and the same thing's gonna be true for y'all, your ministry as a group gets larger when you have a bigger team of people participating in that ministry. So I would encourage you to do that. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 8, I think, describes that want-to spirit. Here am I, send me. Uh, you know, who, who's going to be sent? Who's, who's willing to go? Who's willing to do? Here am I, send me. And what a, what a spirit that we really need to incorporate into our life. Colossians 3.23 says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as of the Lord, not unto men. You know, this isn't about doing it so some man will be pleased or some person will be pleased. At the end of the day, it's about doing what God would be pleased with. And I, I just know your elders would want that. They want it for you, even for your family and uh, your connection with this body as well. They want you to lead your family. Uh, I can tell you a lot of things that kind of burp back up to elders ends up with people that are not taking care of business. And one of the things that brings great relief to elders is when people are taking care of personal business. They're taking care of their business. And let me put it in very plain terms. They're paying their bills. 
They're waking up and going to work every day. They're paying attention to life. They're taking care of their business, whatever that business is. They're raising their children. They, they recognize their Christian duty to do that, that they have children, they have responsibilities with children, and they're going to teach their children manners, and they're going to teach their children all the things their children need to know to be successful in life. Whatever those things are, they, they have the... They, that you as a parent, as a dad, as a mom, have a responsibility to try to help teach and train those children in those things. Um, there are things, there are social skills that your children need to learn. And the best place to learn that is from mom and dad. Uh, there are financial things that your children need to learn. And the best place to learn that is mom and dad. And some, there are different techniques for doing that. You know, some parents might do allowance and, and learn how to budget that allowance and save part of it and give part of it and spend part of it and those kind of things. But it, they may do it in other ways. They may do it in, in, uh, in other techniques and that type of thing. But, and the reason why I say that is I don't want kids leaving here today and go, Mom, Dad, allowance. Y'all hadn't gotten that on y'all's agenda yet. You know, I'm not saying moms and dads have to do allowance. Just saying that there's a lot of different approaches to that, but they need to be taught about finances uh, so that they grow up and they understand how to handle their finances. There's human sexuality, intimacy, things like that. Your kids need to know about that stuff. No better place to know that or learn that is than from mom and dad. And, and it helps elders in the church when mom or dad are doing what mom and dad ought to be doing. When mom and dad are teaching and taking care of their business and taking care of training and helping, they want to create a culture and an atmosphere. We're going to talk about that here in a moment, but they want to create a culture and atmosphere to help you with that. But they want you to take care and carry that burden and take care of that responsibility. It helps in so many ways. It helps the church. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We have a responsibility, and it's a grave responsibility. And I promise you, your elders, I promise you, your elders, on a regular basis are praying for the moms and dads in this congregation and the responsibilities that you have before you. Number five, I think your elders would want you to follow them as they follow Christ. They're not claiming they're heroes. They're not claiming they're perfect men. They're not claiming that they can't make mistakes along the way. But as they follow Christ, they would ask you to follow them and help them along that way. Hebrews 13, verse number 7, Paul be the writer of the book of Hebrews, I believe he was, but uh, it doesn't really say in the text. But Hebrews 13, verse number 7 says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Follow their faith. Those that have the rule over you, follow their faith. As they follow Christ, we should follow them and be willing to help them and submit to them and care for them as well. I can tell you your leaders would want you to be a giver. It's not just about finances in the sense of a congregation, but although that, that is true and it weighs in, uh, I was telling them a little bit uh, yesterday about when we went through COVID, we were a little concerned. We've, got, we've built a new building in the last several years that that uh, kind of the way our building note was structured was it was on a 20-year AMOR, if that means anything to anybody. 20-year AMOR, but it renewed at 10. And we crossed that 10-year mark and renewed. Uh, and we've got five to six, seven more years to pay, depending on how heavy we invest in trying to get that thing paid for early. But COVID hit. 
And then you're concerned about the finances from a congregation and the dedication to the congregation. And, and are we going to be able to make this all this work? And in addition to a building note, we're paying and supporting preachers and efforts. And we do benevolent things. We're, we're involved in foreign mission works and things like that. Well, all that stuff gets hit if contributions get hit. You know, if people start putting money in their pocket and they're not putting it in the contribution tray, everything you're doing in that contribution tray helps. And that is an aspect of church leadership and management of things and that kind of thing. But I am telling you, they're not wanting that just for that reason. Although I know that plays a part, they want it for you. They want it to be you because they know that's what a Christian should be. That we ought to have a spirit that gives. We ought to be a giving person, and we give in a lot of different ways. It's, uh, we talked a little bit this weekend about coming to church with a giving spirit versus a taking spirit, or coming in with a glass, or are you trying to fill somebody else's cup, or are you trying to uh, get your cup filled kind of thing. And I think on any given day, any of us may go, I need my cup filled. You know, I need, I, I'm here to refresh me, you know, in that case. But, but I think there's also a lot of times that we get into this me mentality. It's about me and what I think and what I need. And what, and we're not walking in with this mentality that says, I'm a giver. I'm going to help. I'm going to, I give to others. I'm learning all week long. I'm praying all week long. I'm helping all week long. And when I come to church, part of the reason why I'm at church is I want to give. I want to give love. I want to give attention. I want to give time. And when we have that mentality, your elders want you to be that way. They want that for your spiritual health so that you would be spiritually healthy. 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 6, He that soweth sparingly, what? Reaps sparingly. He that soweth bountifully, reaps bountifully. And there's a lot of things we talk about from a, from a giving standpoint, but one of these principles is the amount of which you sow is equated to some degree or another or exponentially equated to the amount you reap. And what you put into something is directly related to what you're able to get out of something. And they want you to be a giver. They want you to have that mentality. Uh, there's a prophet, Haggai, in the second chapter, verse number 19. I love this question. It says, is your seed yet in the barn? You know what that means? It's going to be tough to get a crop if your seed's in the barn. Maybe this isn't a very rural farming community. Maybe it is. I don't know everybody that's in this room. But, um, but the concept is, is if you're going to reap a harvest, you've got to get your seed in the ground. You don't, you don't harvest a crop if you've not put your seed in the ground. Is your seed yet in the barn? And that, apply that to us from a standpoint of being a giver. I mean, are we, are we giving? Are we sowing? Are we doing so bountifully? Are we hanging on? Is, it, is our seed in the barn? Have we, have we stored it up, but we're not really planning? It's hard to get a harvest afterwards. Uh, number seven, your elders would want you to excel at your potential. And everybody in this room has talents, has abilities. They may be different, but they have talents and abilities. Everybody. And, and the, the foot can't say to the eye, I have no need of you. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. First Corinthians chapter 12 concept. But I promise you, your elders want you to excel to your potential. They're not trying to cap where you can grow. They're not trying to limit you to what you can do. 
They want you to excel to your potential. First Corinthians 14 and verse number 12, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Be good at it. Be the best you can be at it. And they would want that for you in, in whatever role. I think that particular chapter is specifically talking about uh, maybe our edification publicly and things like that, but it's true in all different aspects of our life. Seek to excel to the edifying of the church. And here's where I was talking a little bit earlier. Um, your elders would want to see your children grow and develop. That's part of creating that culture. That I, I am amazed today as I stand before you, but there are people in this room, and I look at Zach and Kat and, and, and Allison and her family, et cetera. I, I see those were little kids. I mean, it used to be in their home, and, and they were just little kids. And, and the reality is they have grown up and they've developed, and, and you want a culture where that can happen and they can grow up. I want to, I'm knocking on 60 years old. I'm not there, you're Michael. Have you hit 60 yet? You're knocking on the door, though. I know <laughs> Michael's a little older than I am, but I, I'm knocking it. I'm knocking at that 60-year-old deal. And, and, you know, I don't know how many years ago that it was that I was in Yancey and Sheila's home and, and those two little girls were running around and Zach was running around. Uh, but, but it's probably been 20 years ago or whatever, 20-plus years ago. We do that again. I'm knocking on 80 years old. I mean, you know, I've, I've turned into an old man. And the reality is I want to be 80 years old and I want to see... Allison's daughter at 20 some odd years old and gone through college and taken on a family and all that. I want to see that vision and as elders I promise you they want to see that. They want to create an environment to where your family can grow and develop, your children can grow and develop. We had some folks in, uh, associated with our congregation that just, uh, let's just say they were a little embittered at times. They were challenging at times. And children got in their way. Children were uh, not their favorite people. They were underfoot. That's a, that's a very good political way to do that. That's a, I need training from Matt on how to put things in a more politically correct way. But you know, I'm telling you as an elder, don't offend these little ones. That is our future. That is us. That's, that's our congregation of the future. Don't do that. Uh, you know, there's a million things you've got to sit back, and if you're older and they're, and they're underfoot, uh, you've got to sit back and appreciate the fact that, that these children bring life and vitality and all that to, to a group of people, and we've got to appreciate that and appreciate and And at home, I promise you, we're constantly going, stop running in the church house. You know, we're, I don't know how many kids we've got. I've not counted them lately, but we've probably got 30 or 40 kids that's under the age of 10 or whatever, and and, and there, it can get a little rambunctious at times. And we don't want them running over our old folks and our old folks falling and, and breaking a hip and things like that. That's not good either. But at the same time, those young people are precious, absolutely precious. And we need them for the future. We cannot, we can't not have a culture that provides an environment for them to be able to grow. And, and develop. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 11 says, As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that you should walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. 
You know, in this case, the Apostle Paul is saying that just like a father would do his children, that's the way we ought to teach these children. We, they're, they're, they're not somebody else's children. They're our children. We care about these children. We want good for these children. And uh, there's times that we come in, and, and even when exhortation needs to take place, even if discipline needs to take place, even if correction needs to take place, it's done and motivated out of love. Uh, we want those children to have that culture to grow up in. I believe this morning with all my heart your elders want uh, you to know that they want to listen to you. If you have concerns or desires or, or challenges or whatever, that their door is open. They want to talk to you. And I don't know what it is. I, sometimes, it, you know, it is who you are. It's the position that you hold or something along those lines. I don't know. But I've, I'm told at home that, you know, there are times that I intimidate people. I don't, I, I don't mean to intimidate people. I'm not trying to intimidate people. But I get told at times that I intimidate people and, so, you know, that I'm not approachable or something because I've intimidated them. I don't know. But I'm telling you, it's not my heart. I don't want to, I'm not trying to intimidate someone. But, and I recognize the fact that maybe you go into an elder of the church or whatever, you're, it may feel a little intimidating because they're the elders of the church or whatever. But I promise you as elders, they're not trying to intimidate you. They love you and they care about you and they want to listen to you. Proverbs 11 and verse number 14, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And you ought to be, have a relationship. You ought to get to know your elders and, and your leaders to the spot that you can sit down and talk to them and, and let them be normal people to you. Uh, because I promise you they're going to, even if they give you advice that you don't want to hear, I promise you it's coming from a place that they love you and care about you and want what's good for you. Ephesians 4 verse number 15 says, speak the truth. How? In love. Okay? You want the truth spoken to you but you would want the truth spoken to you in love. That's the way that communication ought to happen. Let your speech be always seasoned with grace, okay? Do you want, you want somebody to talk to you? Of course, but it needs to be in a loving manner. It needs to be done in a way that, that uh, they care about you. But I promise you, your elders care about you. I promise you, your elders care about you. And then the last thing I wanna to talk to you about this morning is, I promise you, your elders wanna see you in heaven. That's their goal. They want to see this entire group spend eternity in heaven. There's a passage of scripture found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 19. For what is my hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not you at the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? You know what Paul was telling those at Thessalonica? He was saying, you're my life's work. You, you're, you're, you've, you are what I've labored for. You are who I've cared for. I can't tell you the amount of time and effort and money and energy and all that that I've put in. You know what is going to make me happy? Seeing you when Christ returns and knowing that you're there. And I promise you, your elders feel the same way about this group of people. You're, our life's work is what they're going to be thinking. This is, this is their baby. This is their concern is this body of Christians. And what they want to see is you spend eternity in heaven that's what this is all about. May God bless you guys from a congregational standpoint, praying for y'all, build a team, work together as a team, connect in. would encourage every one of you in this room to, to approach your elders, to talk to your elders, to talk to your deacons, to say to them, connect me in. 
put me together. Help me work together in this congregation so that I can be as effective and spiritually healthy as I can possibly be. May God bless you in that. If the church can help you this morning in some way, we're going to sing an invitation song. It says, break my heart, O oh Lord. You know, sometimes folks are, are challenged. Their heart's hard. Their, their heart's gotten cold. And soften it this morning. Relax it a little this morning. And connect in. Make sure that when you leave here today that you have a spiritual connection. Don't leave these two doors this morning in, in need of a Savior because you have an opportunity this morning. Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you been baptized into Christ? You have an opportunity this morning to be connected in and be touched by the blood of Jesus. Maybe you've done that along the way, but somewhere your mind's gotten sidetracked and separated and all that. I promise you, your leaders this morning want you to reconnect. They want you to be a part. They want you to be connected in with a body of Christians and people that love you and care about you. And if we can help you in any way this morning, won't you come while we stand and sing the song that's been selected?